Bradley, good evening. How are you, Petra. my man? Hey, I'm good, guy. thank you, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, just before we are we still doing the icebreaker or are we just getting on with things? Um, I think I think if you got if you got an icebreaker, I know I put you a bit on the spot. If you wanted something, um, have a little chat about the um blah, 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 the Sakai clot uh waffle racer that's coming out okay get Dwayne involved get Emil involved um and then because it just gives me a gives me a chance to ping everybody in all right cool um in fact let's start with Emil what do you think of the Sakai clots that are coming up hello are we talking about the orange and green one hi Bradley hey Emil hi hi hey mate (laughs) yeah um yeah, I think the the the, cl- the green and orange is probably my favourite colourway since the first three and the grey one that came after that. Okay, okay, Bradley, what are your thoughts on the um, upcoming shoes? Um, I don't I don't mind them. I, I will admit, I probably I wouldn't buy them. I was very set when the first L- LD waffles came out. I was very set on the purple pair that they leaked that didn't come out for ages after the first two. Um, and then after I got that, I've, I've sat and left it. I mean, I like I like the colorway, um, but I, I'm, I'm going to give it a little miss, to be honest with you, on them ones. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mr. Van Wills, what are your thoughts on How this Um Tying in with what uh, Mr. Mills said, kind of, it feels very in line with the original free releases as a colorway. So it really works. And... Upon further inspection of the Clot Sakai Waffle 2, the grey one, I think staying in line with how the Air Max 1 was, which was a Hyperfuse, they've actually done Hyperfuse on the Sakai version as well. So it will be heat press. So that is quite interesting that they've kept so true to the original Air Max 1 Clot 2 as well. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I didn't know that, and that was a sick fact. That's made me a lot more interested in the other pair now. Now you've said that. Yes, 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 definitely. And I think when when attention to detail is put across like that, you you wrote me in just that bit more. Completely agree. Completely agree. And if I'm right in thinking, uh, Mr. Van Wills. Is there's clothing that goes with it as well? Is that correct? There is. There is a whole line to go with it. Um, I will update my profile picture to show said thing. So swipe down to refresh in about two minutes, and I should have it on there. I think Dwayne's gone to update his profile. Yes, I've I've just updated it. So pull down, and um, yeah, you'll see the two tra- jackets and tracksuit bottoms. Wow, jackets wild! That jacket is nuts. What <laughs> did they make that for the new Matrix movie? <laughs> I think so. I think so. And knowing your skills, we'll probably make our own bootleg version. Yeah, man. I like, but not for me, but I like. No, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. I'm definitely a fan. Um, 
Bradley, what are, what else are you looking forward to this year, if anything? So, I saw in sneaky news today the first images of the L.E. Harachi toadstool. Ah, uh, um, yes. I must admit, being a bit of a, a, Harachi, a Harachi fan, I am excited for those. And I'm kind of hoping that they bring out the other two as well. Because, well, yeah, I am hoping they bring out the other two. I'd love to see a, a praline. Um, I'm just a little bit worried on the material more than anything. I hope it's going to be a, going to be nice and soft. I mean, if it's anything like the recent neutral grey Jordan One Low leather, yeah. I'll be pretty happy. Okay. Okay. But I'm trying to keep it. Trying to keep it. Um, trying to be well behaved this year. To be honest, I'm trying to trying to spend more money on food, and a little bit less on shoes. Cause... Truth be told, that is a very good choice to make in life, my friends. It's one of them ones, man. You know, go go out for that extra dinner that month, you know, rather than having that extra pair. Yeah. Pot noodles, than... man. Pot noodles is the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can get behind that. That's my dinner tonight. What, pot noodles? Yeah, man. I've been, I was at a New Balance event earlier this evening. Um, Flex. For like... <laughs> no, no, not so much of a flex. It was a running event of which I didn't run in. Um, I just arrived, said hello, and then walked out. But it was good. Okay, I thought you would have been um, for the Jowns that are coming. The the nine ninety version four Jowns. Um, I mean, the Jowns are nice. I don't. I, I I mean, don't get me wrong. They're really, really, really lovely shoes. Really like some nice colorways that they've done. I'm just. They're not my type of colorways that I'd want to like. I'd, I'd spend the money on, like for example, the Joe Fresh Goods. I'd be more inclined because I prefer a little bit of a brighter shoe, as a rule, um, over the Jounce, for the price point as well. I'd even, and if I was going to go for a tonal nine ninety like that, I'd actually go and buy the old Engineer Garments ones that came out Ooh. a year or two ago. Those ones with like the weird croc leather on them. They were yeah. they were mental. They are lush. They are absolutely what, lush. What about you guys? What are you guys after? Dwayne, do you want to answer that? Dwayne's missing. Does Emil want to answer that question? Hi. Hello again. <laughs> um, what? Oh, shoot. What are them dunk lids called? It's on the tip of my tongue. The, the, um, Social status. There we go. Mate, the, the short film for that is <clears throat> class. For anybody that hasn't seen it, it's probably yeah. one of my favourite campaigns that Nike's done in quite a while. Mm. Or Definitely. Social Status as well has done. Like, wicked, wicked little storyline to it. Yeah, mate. It's, to be fair, it, the, the, the storytelling that, they, that they're doing for their campaigns recently has been on point. Like, from the one that they did with the, um, what was the Jordan 3? I'm having, yeah. There we go. Yeah, you're right. You're all right. Um, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I think the Lightning Fours is really high up there in terms of what's just come out. Like that's been years, years on years waiting to grab that shoe. So for the fact that I finally got it, it's that's really up there in terms of what I've looked forward to. And it's finally here. 
Um, in terms of what's coming forward to not be a spoil sport, I think it's everything Air Max One, truth be told. No pun intended. Um, the patter stuff, I'm interested to see that in hand if possible. And also whatever colorway of the Travis's come out as well. Especially the Air Trainer one as well. That's piqued my interest too. Nice, 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 nice. Just before we get started, what about you, Rain? What are you, look, what are you looking forward to? Um... The off-white Jordan 2 low white. Boom. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Look, there's a bit of a silence there. <laughs> um, you know what? Nothing's really piqued my interest. I think, no, actually, one trainer, which is the um, the Travis Air Trainer 1, like because I've got an affinity for, for that. But everything else everything else is kind of like, yeah, I, I, it's, they're not must-haves. Like, I, I, don't mind, I don't mind some of the bits that are coming out, like the Patter Air Max 1s, the Travis Air Max 1s. <clears throat> um, they're all right. I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of GR product that's coming out that's going to be quite good. Um, GR, but it's going to be... Everyone's going to be after it. And it's, some of the Jordan 4s that are coming out, I'm quite interested in. But nothing that's... that's nothing, I don't know. I just think it's, it's peaked already. But who knows what these brands have got coming in the future, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. If it's all right with you guys, um, let's, let's get this show on the way. Um, Bradley, once again... We are grateful for your, your time and your presence um, this evening. Um, just before we commence, um, just a few house rules. Um, we're going to basically have a nice little natter for about half hour or so. And then from there, um, if, if you have any questions um, during the course of that natter, uh, there's a button at the bottom of your phone. Uh, raise your hands and we'll invite you onto the stage to ask your burning question. Um, regrettably, um, we are going to refrain from any conversation in around the Kobe shoot, the Mamba Sita, or any raffle questions or questions that, that, um, that's not really in keeping with the spirit of um, this session. Also as well, just want to say that Bradley does retain the right of refusal on questions that he feels that isn't in the spirit of this session so if you ask Bradley your burning question and and he feels it's he's not in a position to ask answer it he, he will basically refuse to answer the question so um, but he will try and answer where he can but he, he retains that right so with all of that said Bradley just to bring you in nice and easy um, two questions in one what is it you do with foot patrol and what started your journey within the UK sneaker culture? Right. Um, God, it's going to be a long story. It's going to be a long evening. No, just, can I, I just want to. I just want to say before before we get started. I know. I know. I saw in the comments many people wanted to talk about the Kobe incident and everything. And as much as I do appreciate that people want to hear and find out what it was that happened, I personally, in my position, in my role, I don't know enough to be able to give you a concise answer. And therefore, it's not, you know, it's not my interest. It's not like the. It's not in my best interest to be able to give you sort of a half-hearted answer. It, it better come from someone well above me. So I, I do apologise. Um, but to get onto your question, Pedro, um, 
I look after well, I look after the marketing and PR stuff at Foot Patrol. So any of the content ideas, brand engagements, influencer engagements, sort of event concepts, all that type of stuff uh, comes from us. But also um, for many people, for anyone that doesn't know, um, for anyone that thinks just is actually only in terms of like legwork of people that actually produce content we are a team of six uh we are two marketers one social guy uh two photographers and one designer um so it's a we we try to do as much as we can and every i'd like to think as a because we're being such a small team or we are such a small team we're fortunate enough to give people across the board uh the opportunity to put their ideas that includes store members as well so everything that you see from foot patrol is curated by myself and Sam and the ideas fed through the whole the whole team um but as my you know for myself personally uh, I got into trainers uh sneakers whatever you want to call them uh I've been about been around 2013 when the Harachi hype uh, really kicked off um wasn't the Harachis that got me in it believe it or not it was actually my nan uh, once upon a time, I used to watch uh, Only Wears Essex with my nan quite religiously. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, not, not I'm pretty, you know, I'm not not ashamed to say that's my nan. I'm, do I like, you know, do I like watch whatever I want with my nan? Of course, of course. And um, yeah, cool. they basically um, Joey Essex rocked up in a pair of Air Max Ones um, at the time. Well, I didn't know what they were at the time, but they were the office exclusive Air Max One, and he was wearing it on on telly. And my nan said, basically, you don't dress very well and you need to sort your life out. So I was like, all right, fair enough. Um, wow. What should we do about it? And we, we ended up hunting and we discovered this shoe that Air Max he was wearing, discovered it was exclusive and what that term meant. And from then on, I got a little bit fascinated and from things like Crep City and stuff like that, it developed. And my nan bought me my what I can remember as my first Air Max anyway, my my earliest Nike trainers, you know, like a pair of Astros or whatever, you know, that your parents buy you to kick a ball in. But my earliest pair of shoes I remember like collecting was obviously only eight years ago. Um, and it was a pair of Air Maxes. And since then I just got hooked. And admittedly, I did, I did jump on that Harachi bandwagon. I was obsessed with the size, the size exclusive colorways and stuff. And that really, really really fed my interest into try- basically finding out what it was that made this sort of like subculture so cool basically um and later developed a, a strong affinity for more than just colorways and like shoes it was more about the history and the way it was made and like the designers and who they are you know it was like w- once upon a time i used to look at people like Raph Simmons as like huge, huge idols and be like, wow, I loved fashion designers. And then now as my interest in shoes like developed, discovered this affinity for footwear design. And now I see these people as, as gods uh, in some, in some cases with some of the work that they've done. So it's, it's been, um, it's not the longest of time and I'm, I know I'm not the, uh, the oldest of heads, but I like to think I've got to experience in the time that I've met and the time that I've sort of had to, or get to collect i've got to meet loads of amazing people work in a few okay places i mean this is my first time working for a footwear retailer believe it believe it or not but it's um it's definitely been a journey worth remembering for sure 
Defo, defo. Um, that saying you've got to start from somewhere um, always rings true for a lot of us who have been in the game a while. And yeah, with, with, with that said, you mentioned something which I kind of want to um, expand a little bit in terms of um, sell, uh, a storytelling as such and um, nostalgia and, and that sort of thing. And I just wanted to um, hear your thoughts on on brands relying on nostalgia to, to sell sneakers within um, the sneaker culture. and just wanted to, um, your take on that. Um, I mean, I'll give you two takes. My very biased take is I love a retro because I'm, I'm a big fan of old runners. So, you know, when they start bringing all those types of things back, yeah, I'm personally all for it. But from a sort of, you know, a retailer perspective, it's kind of mad to see... I wouldn't say it's a dependence, but the interest that the market brings towards it. It's like the brand are looking through their catalogs and they're thinking, right, what can we bring back? It's going to be the next big thing. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's inter- it, it, it has been interesting to see what the market's naturally gravitated towards. I think it's hard for a brand to come up with something new these days. People don't always necessarily like it. Um, and it's, you know, it, it doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always take off the same way that many other shoes that we see as like holy grails didn't take off um, initially. And now these days they are because for whatever reason they're on trend. It's hard. So I think, I think for a brand, I don't know. I mean, it's a tricky one. Like I said, I'm, I'm incredibly biased. I think it's a great. And I like I like seeing retros because I like seeing the stories. I like knowing the inspiration. I like learning who that designer is, who you haven't heard about his story. And I think it's interesting to expand on more than just colorways and, you know, showcasing like, you know, like Nike have been doing since they've done the sneakers up, doing little bits and bobs. And like, for example, the history of the sock dart and how that was made. It's nice to have these things and get these stories on these shoes. Um, my only thing is, is with, um, the sneaker cut, like sneaker market at the moment is a very have now, buy now kind of thing. And sometimes those stories get missed because people aren't necessarily as entertained by the, what it is about that shoe. They just want the shoe. So it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I'll be honest, I wouldn't, it's a terrible answer that I've given to everybody listening. But like, like I said, from, a, from my personal perspective, I absolutely love it because I love all the storytelling aspect and I find it incredibly interesting. And, you know, when they start doing the events, hope, well, as events hopefully start to come back out, I'd like to think that we'll get to see some big events for more retro pairs that come out. I, I would have liked to see something, for example, if this year was a little bit more streamlined and, less hectic um covid wise mm, mm. um i would have loved to see a massive event for harachi this year i think that would have been great i mean don't get me wrong and i know it's not i mean it's a very popular shoe anyway these days but i would have loved to see something like that a big curated space of um that gent in new zealand like clyde and some other guys like tim um i can't remember another few but you know bringing some of the og pairs and you know, talking about the story and bringing some people in for that. I just think it would have been a nice touch, personally. Sure, sure, sure. And um, in 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 that answer that you've given, um, you mentioned um, activation and um, and what goes on with that. And is it possible at all? I mean, because I know you mentioned it at the beginning in terms of 
it's a small team within Foot Patrol that that do what they do. Is it possible at all you can actually describe in terms of the level of work that goes into an activation and and how and and the mechanics in, involved with that? And um, I, I guess as well, personally, what's your involvement in terms of telling a story or creating a, um, a, a journey within the frameworks that's uh, presented to you, both mm. by FP and brands that you would work with? Hmm. So it, it varies from project to project. So one thing for people who don't know, or you probably are all aware, the footwear industry is an incredibly last minute type of thing sometimes you get months of notice other times you get a day's notice or an afternoon's notice so there's been instances for example we did a, a little meet and greet with i can't remember his name uh the the guy who owns pleasures basically he did a converse collaboration the pro leather and converse came to us that morning of the release and said do you want to do a pop-up that night wow and we were like uh, 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 yeah, we can try and <laughs> um, we found we found one place that I'd bring us drinks as soon as possible, so we got that sorted. We went to the corner shop, bought loads of ice, and then I wrote a list of questions, then interviewed the guy in a live little panel talk, and then led on to a bigger event. So there's there's times when you have, you know, last-minute, really scrappy ones that, you know, at the end, people still enjoy, and if they're coming for the, you know, for that for those reasons, can still leave learning something new. Was but then Alex when it comes James? to... Uh, I can't remember, man. I'll be honest with you. I've I've interviewed so many people since him. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, if you go through the Foot Patrol blog, honestly, I, there's there's so many interviews since him. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But all I know is he did a pretty provocative shirt, put in the um, Nirvana or not Nirvana. Sorry, um, what's his name? I can't. I'm having my blanks all over. But nevertheless, he put the suicide note of Kurt Cobain. That was it. On, mm. on a shirt so he's a pretty provocative bloke um so and he was a really interesting guy to to speak to um we had some mad answers and even had a shoe brand once upon a time but his name slipped me um but no for the bigger for the bigger ones it depends kind of on the brand so there's occasions where for example a brand will come up to us saying there's a launch that they want us to focus on um and they'll say we have x amount of budget and this will be for a shoot and can be for an event. Obviously, depending on how the budget goes and where we spend it. So we essentially look at the ideas, we come up with some concepts and things that we want to do. So myself and Sam will sit down, we'll have think like, right, what are the initial ideas that we want to tackle this concept with? Now, that could either be doing something completely in-house and we all do it, we organize it, we, put, we get some pieces in, you know, we get a couple of people to help set it up and that's kind of it. Or at times, normally for larger events, we work with an agency and the agency tends to set it up. So, for example, the recent size pop-up um, that they did to showcase all their stuff, uh -huh. uh, that was all pieced together by the guys at Generation Works. Um, okay. They help curate the space and everything. And we've also done some stuff with them. So they'll help us. What they'll do is we'll pitch to them saying we have a concept of what we want to follow. Then... We leave it to them and they come back to us with a range of ideas, mood boards, concepts, and say, right, we were thinking this, 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 and this. And, you know, we'll, we'll whittle our way through and think what's the best route. And, of course, this is also done with sign-off with the brand. Um, some brands are super easy to work with. Other brands can be a lot harder to work with. And that's not for any other reason other than, you know, it's 
completely up to the brand depending on what the project is if the brand doesn't like it we can't do it that's that's the end game but in terms of sort of what we do on that part is once we've organized it the communication between the brand the agency we keep everybody in the loop it's then all about essentially make sure that we hit those deadlines and then making sure we do sign-offs making sure we're giving the feedback at the right time it sounds a bit boring to be completely honest with you but actually you start seeing all the projects and all the pdf or, or pdfs all the decks sorry they like to call them um all the decks all the concepts all the mood boards and all the people you get to work with it actually proves to be really really interesting so like for to give you an example we the most recent imagery uh shot for the uh foot patrol ekt for anybody that's seen it on instagram uh was all done by an agency called midnight studio and they basically created that whole set and shot it so not everything we do depending on the size of the campaign is done by us but that's purely because of the manpower that we have bigger the budget we to go we so much we can all ourselves so it, it is varied but there's been occasions for example um so the viatech dunk that came out a couple of years ago yeah we were actually planning to host a code.jp exhibition no word of a lie a code.jp exhibition of all dunks and the things oh, wow. i managed to source for that exhibition was unreal we had some wild stuff we had og viatechs we had og ugly ducklings we had some sick co.jp just sort of like georgetowns everything we had some sick stuff and even like the mix and you know like the mix and match co.jp pair that's almost like all the og colors on yeah shoe it's like yep. a greedy dunk basically um so we had all these wicked pairs and the day of the event that we were planning to set it up and it was a smaller one so you know it was a few plinths and type thing as we go to set it up day before the event sorry uh, Nike pulled the idea and we couldn't do it anymore. Wow. So it, these things, it happens. It, it, it really, really, really is dependent on the project and how deliveries go in, you know, how the brand's feeling about it, where the brand's lining up with their ideas. Sometimes our ideas might cross over too much. So we have to adapt so that we don't sort of essentially look like we've just ripped off someone else's idea. So there's loads and loads to it. Um, myself and Sam though, we kind of, we're like the uh, we're essentially the organizers. We point the people in the direction, and then I I do a lot of the running, sourcing the samples, finding the shoes, bringing them to places, and then I also am a lot hands on of like helping people set up. Um, so for the Foot Patrol Forum, for example, I I boxed, um, built all the sleeves, packaged all the shoes, and everything with just myself and Joel Stoddart from the Drop Date, and wow. did print and did shipped all three hundred pairs from um, the drop date office so it, it is um sometimes involvement can be absolutely nothing like the eqt project of recent and then other times it can be heavily involved like the forum project right right that's that's quite intense um I'd, I'm, I'm really curious and um i appreciate you may not be able to answer this question but with the um dot co dot jp um exhibition that that got pulled last minute did Nike actually say why they were pulling it? And are you allowed to say why they did? So I'll be completely honest with you. Um, we weren't actually, not, not that we weren't given a reason. We just weren't, it was, it was something out of our control in terms of out of the, out of our representative from Nike's control. 
So she was like, she's been told by her superiors that we can't go ahead for whatever reason. So we just have to take that. So it wasn't, there wasn't, from, from what we know, like not necessarily a specific, it wasn't like we did something wrong. Because for anyone that might have saw, we did a feature on Tom Mann instead and his collection of dunks for it to, to make up for the unfortunate sort of mishap. But yeah, unfortunately we didn't, we didn't get a solid reason. But like I said, it's, it's an industry of a lot of cancellations. So th- these things happen quite a lot to, to every retailer. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, how many projects do you have um, running at, at any given point in time? That's a tricky one. Um, it it kind of depends on what's launching. So, for example, last what was it? One last week, I did a shoot for the uh, for the acid wash dunk eighty five on the Tuesday morning, which had to be interviewed, shot, edited, all transcribed, ready to launch the following morning. And then on the following day, I was in Birmingham to shoot the content for the lightning and then coming back to organize then another shoot for the Wednesday following. So it can be anything from loads and loads to like one at a time. So it, it is, it's dependent on what's coming at that given moment over the next sort of like one to two months, maybe even further ahead, um, Again, though, that is dependent on whether or not we can get samples or we have a shoe that we can even shoot. Because sometimes we'll put all this effort into our ideas and either us or the brand can't get the shoe, so we can't do the concept. So we've done all these, t- all these days of planning and planning and planning and it's got to, you know, a two weeks before the release and we realised we're actually not going to get the shoes until after release. So the content's kind of almost missed its cue. That's, that's, that's... Boy. It's a it's a hectic. Don't get me wrong. Like it, it depends on the retailer as well. I, I not every retailer does as much content outside of just doing white background or using product imagery that the brands provide. Right. So for us, we actively do it because we one everyone in the office is an advocate for food. So which is why we do so many food features. We just any excuse to talk food. We love it. Same with music, like we want to do these guest mixes and stuff because we're all so into music and we want to see Foot Patrol as rather than, you know, just a sneaker store, we want to be more, we want to get involved more with like the culture of the industry, you know, we all have other interests other than shoes, right? Right. So we want to, we want to explore those other interests in any ways we can. So we've started doing more running events, for example, like this evening, um, we had Jake, who's our social guy, who was running the 5k this evening. And also did a 10k for ASICs um, a couple a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we're exploring that avenue, and not necessarily performance, but you know, positive well-being and the well you can, the way you can affect yourself mentally, and how positively it can be doing other things, right? Other than right. just other than just making ourselves broke buying loads of shoes, which isn't an issue. Don't get me wrong; it's perfectly fine. And I personally love to do, have thoroughly enjoyed doing it for many years, but. Other, other places, like if you go through, for example, I, I go through, I wouldn't say fairly regularly, but I say every couple of weeks, I go through some of the most popular retailers' blogs. And I see what they've been posting, what they've been doing, directions they've been doing, not necessarily to steal ideas, but just to see where we're at compared to them. And if you look at some retailers like Overkill, for example, they don't do a lot. The same with Soulbox, they don't post a lot. And a lot of this stuff that they do post is studio based, so they don't tend to go a lot 
far out. And when they do go far out, they go massive, like they did with their Overkill collab, doing that whole massive like cinema thing. Um, so different retailers work it in different ways. Like Offspring, th- those guys throw huge events, like you know, huge, huge events for their collabs. I mean, we we haven't had, we we don't throw as large events for our collabs, and that's not for any reason. It's just because that sometimes we don't because we don't really want to because we've got our focuses on so many other things so there's only so much we can do on each so it does vary it does it does vary from time to time I see i see wow okay um bradley at this junction i know we've been talking just over 25 uh, minutes and so and i know um obviously between the five of us we we can talk till kingdom come but what I want to do is I kind of want to open up um, the floor to um, our audience and um, also as well, maybe ask one or two questions off um, um, the Instagram posts in which um, advertised this session. So for all of you that have been listening um, so far, um, if you do have any questions that you want to ask, um, you've got the raise your hand um, button at the bottom of your phone. Press that button. And um, one of the moderators will bring you up on stage to ask your um, burning question. And um, just want to use this opportunity again just to remind you all, for those, and for those that have just joined us, that we will not be entertaining any questions in regards to the Kobe, the Kobe shoes, the Mambasita, or any personal um, raffle questions or why you didn't get um, any shoes at all or anything like that. And just to remind you that Bradley does um, retain... Um, refusal on questions that he feels is not in the spirit of um, this session so any of you that do have your questions um, by all means press that raise hand button and um, we'll get you on stage and yeah ask your ask your question um, Bradley I'm just going to pick up um, one or two questions and it's funny because I kind of had it um, it's one of my questions to ask, but I uh, a lot of the guys have asked, and the question is is that uh, what is what is your thoughts on um, direct to uh, consumer or direct to customer, and how does he foresee this impacting brick and mortar sneaker outlets? So, i.e., the shift of focus um, to online engagement or making in store experience um, interesting, so that people can flock even when there's no product drop-in and that question came from CAF or CAF official so it's it's a tricky one uh, uh, like I personally before I started working at Fruit Patrol I was in the process of trying to open my own shop I wanted to have my own like new retailer that got drops and whatever and have my own concepts and all this type of thing and as Nike as I was planning this, Nike dropped the bomb of we're not giving new retailers stuff anymore. So my my opinion on it is I, I get it from business perspective. You know, they want more money for themselves without having to cut, you know, having to take any percentages or cuts from other, other retailers. But at the same time, I'm kind of like... it For me, it kind of ruins the community side of it because these retailers have built such a connection with the customer that they come in to start slowly taking these things away from them if not for everybody not for every customer loyal customer but some loyal customers will turn their head and go to somewhere else because they can't because they can get it from there 
so in that regard it kind of it does spoil it i think um it, it's 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 a mad one obviously the last year or so we have been incredibly online driven so it's the the online experience of seamless you know seamless processing is is hugely important but i am i'm a huge advocate for brick and mortar and making that space as inclusive and as welcoming and as homely as possible because at the end of the day when you know you 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 watch interviews from like bobito and you listen to the way he talks about his the bobito garcia i'm saying and the way he talked about his store and he was essentially the pioneer of the way we see sneakers doors today putting shoes on spotlights and things mm. he, he used to say that his store was more than just a retailer it was a space for people to come and talk come and relax a safe space you know and and in some regard i would love that to be the case again you know i'd love for people to come in and be like you know they just want coming by purely to say hello more so than they are to come pick up their raffle win and don't get me wrong like i said there's a lot of people that still do that but i think it needs to be driven more so now to encourage the the in-store brick and mortar experience so by so by you saying what you've just said do you think that's actually missing within sneaker culture today i i think so in some places not in every aspect not in every aspect i think there's a lot of positive aspects of you know people doing that outside of having retailers you know you've got amazing groups like sneaker sisterhood real soul family like really really keen on supporting each other and helping each other and so you know there are a lot of positive facets outside of that it was just one of those ones for me that i always used to go into these stores like going in thinking like oh my god you know just coming in to say hello i used to come to london at like 18 years old with no money literally to go into the shop to say hello to people and then get my train home like it was purely just to come and have a conversation i used to go i don't know if a mill ever knows but i used to come nearly in every other lunch break when i worked at browns into nike lab when it was still open for no other reason but just to come and talk to someone so like i, I personally miss that experience and i you know I don't always see it in retailers these days that people want to have a stand or sit down and chat with somebody who works there or anyone that's in the shop, for example. The amount of times I go into the store and just chat with a random for the sake of chatting with a random. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's fun as far as I'm concerned. It's what, it's, it makes us more than just, like, into sneakers. It makes us sort of, you know, it makes it, that's what makes it a community. Mm, of course, because people make a community. And with that said, um picking up off um our um post another question which hopefully should tie in um the move to the launches app do you think that's because foot patrol expects it to be less foot traffic and visiting of stores in the future um it i mean is is there a shift towards um a digital presence i mean why why the launch why the launch now well let me tell you, Pedro. Basically, we've had a we've 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 listened to the people that our raffle system doesn't always work properly. So we thought, you know what? I think it's about time that we're a bit late to the party and need to make a launches app. So, hence the launches app. Um, we wanted to try and make it a little bit more seamless and a little bit easier to people to find content to mm-hmm. access their raffles. Admittedly. My boss did want to give a disclaimer of the most recent raffles. If people were getting told that they couldn't enter or whatever, 
there was a minor technical issue on our side that our sensitivity settings for our fraudulent bit was a bit oversensitive and was telling people they couldn't buy to couldn't enter even though they were perfectly allowed to but as a whole that was kind of mainly it it was just you know almost every other retailer's got one and if we're getting people saying that our raffle isn't working then we got to improve it and like i said online on the online experience is all about the, the least amount of clicks and the most seamless accessibility right and mm-hmm. if our raffles aren't doing that, going through our blog or going through a launches page, then we had to adapt and make a launches app instead. Of course, of course. Um, do you reckon that um, the launches app will be the fairest way in terms of allocating shoes to the winners? I mean, what what what's in place to ensure that there's a fair uh, there's a fair process in um, in the distribution of shoes? So, unfortunately, on that question, we have a completely separate team that's based in Berry in JD's head office and Size's head office that look after all of our multi-channel and raffle systems. So, unfortunately, it's not something that I actually know anything about. I just know that we have a launches app and the reason why we wanted to try and do a launches app because we've been pushing it. And in terms of how that all works in the background, Unfortunately, I'm not entirely sure. As far as I'm aware, though, it's it's fair. Like I I I don't actually keep up to date with the raffles, other than where, whether or not it's working or not for people. Right, right, fair enough. Um, okay, I'll use this junction just to remind um, our audiences. Um, you guys are acting a little shy this evening. That if you do have any questions in this discourse. Um, again, raise the hands button. We'll get you up onto the stage via one of our moderators, and um, you are welcome to ask your burning questions. Um, yeah. So let me, uh, unless um, rain. I do. I've got. Um, I've got. I've got a question. I, I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to be able to answer it. You probably have to be very PC about it. But obviously, you mentioned the whole thing about JD and size. So obviously. Um, Obviously, people know the history of that, but obviously, you guys are you operate independently. But obviously, there is a boss to the boss to the boss. How does that work with a lot of the stuff that you want to do with Foot Patrol, um, whether it be stuff that is in, in in the community in your separate events and launches, whether it be in store? How does that work? Is there a big chain of hierarchy that things have to get signed off, or is it controlled at ground level? So, to, for to, you know, for a long story short, for for big, like saying sign off on budget for something, um, it comes up, you know, it has to be signed off from a much higher person, and then trickles its way down back down to uh, back to us. Um, within JD Group, they have what they call the streetwear division. Um, that's places like Size, Us, Hip Store, um, other brands within the JD Group like that. So we have almost like a our own mini hierarchy within the large hierarchy of which a larger hierarchy. So it's a bit of a complicated one, but as a rule, we tend to be fairly independent on our approach in terms of our concepts, our ideas, everything like that is all done through foot patrol and doesn't get any sign off from big dogs. But if we need larger budgets for whatever reason, then we have to get the okays and then we have to justify it and, you know, improve where the spends are going and things like that. So then, like a follow-up question, and this is, um, obviously this is not your opinion, just in case anybody else is listening, but um, so 
there is like the talk that people within um, some of the big brands, so the Nikes, the Adidas's, um, the Pumas, don't necessarily understand the consumer. Hence, why some product comes out and it flops, or or, or they just have, they haven't approached the right people for the market research. Do you think that the the JD group or that division that you speak of do do they understand the consumer or even more particular the foot patrol consumer is different from the size consumer and the size consumer is different from the JD consumer do they understand those varying levels so in complete honesty no nobody does because you can't make everybody happy we try our best to do content that we think personally for us is true to what the foot patrol sort of brand image is and we roll with that we we would love to be able to understand every consumer's needs and be able to hit every consumer's needs and we're really really you know for next year really going to be focused on a huge 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 community outreach and push to try and extend that but it, it's it's a tricky one i don't really know how the other stores really operate um i have one meeting once every blue moon um on a company-wide update and even then you don't get told a lot because a lot of people don't want to tell you what they're doing in case someone pinches ideas because at the end of the day you know it, it happens unfortunately um some ideas might get pinched not to say that people have pinched anyone's ideas within our our group but you know i've seen for example we we've gone for an idea pitched it to someone and coincidentally someone else has done it and we're like ah oh, here's what it is but you know, it's all it's all part of the game. So it, it's a tricky one. I'd like I'd like to think we we try to understand as much as we can, but unfortunately, I, in my opinion, I don't think it's possible purely because you know there's always something wrong or someone doesn't like it. Not for any reason. It's like we just have our own opinions. So is um is 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 foot patrol as you lot, as a faction? So you and Sam are you lot seen as the um the ugly child in the group because obviously you get a lot of the more exclusive product and the more <laughs> desirable product. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. Sam would have been a better person to ask that question. He's been at Foot Patrol for a long, long time. Right. Okay. Um, so I, I don't get me wrong. I know a lot of the guys within size and things like that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't know enough to be able to like answer that properly. Right. Okay. All right. No problem. No problem. I'm just, I'm just, just poking fun, but with a serious. No, nah, no, nah, mate. I, I'd, I'd honestly, I'd answer it if. If I actually like knew the people as well as like Sam did, for example. Right. Okay. All right. All right sorry, Pedro. Back over to you. Hey. No. No worries. Um. I. I, I kind of want to change beat a little bit, and I just want to ask that, um, or really get your opinion on something that's for me that's kind of been bugging me. In that, do you think it's coincidental that the uh, the lack of authenticity in the storytelling of the product or the journey of the product in some cases has actually mirrored that of the actual quality of the product um, despite supposed um, improved manufacturing techniques or or materials used I'll be honest I'm I'm not I'm not really sure it's 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 a hard one because I feel like supply and demand comes into it more than anything. I feel like brands are, especially we're trying to play catch up now with so many delays in factories. I feel like that's where QC issues are coming more so than the sort of lining up with storytelling not being as good. And then the input or the sort of focus on the product isn't as good. 
I know there's been like instances, for example, some brands at the moment currently can't who any well, basically any brand that's got a shoe being produced in Vietnam at the moment can't get it produced because all of the factories in Vietnam are closed. So when they open, they're then at a rush to try and get those shoes out because the release is now however many months behind or how many weeks behind or whatever. So that I feel like that's where the instances of QC issues coming through. The weak storytelling, I think that's purely down to the the market being a little bit more want now, buy now, and a little bit less concerned about what the shoe's about and just want what the shoe's for, for whatever reason, whether it's for personal use, to flip, anything. Um, I feel like that's, I feel like it's two different aspects at the moment. Right, I see. Mm. So you don't, you don't think the two are related as such? Not, not necessarily. I mean, I can imagine there's probably some instances that a project's been rushed that much for whatever reason, other than, you know, what I've just mentioned. But as a whole, I, you know, I, I know, I know some friends, like some friends of mine are, are Nike designers in Oregon. And one of them has worked on many, basically all of the OG colorways uh, of the Harachi this year. And I know he would be gutted, for example, if a pair that he worked on came out trash. Mm. So it's, it, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. Um, okay. Is there a moment, and this this is this is a personal question for me. Is there a moment you can pinpoint where um, where people have changed the way that they connect with a product? So what I mean by that is, as you're most probably familiar, and I guess with your story um, in regards to um, the Air Max that Joey Essex was wearing, people would buy shoes to. Um, stunt i guess there was no such thing as resale back in those days if, if you follow um, where i'm going with this whereas now there's more of an emphasis in terms of store of value do you know um for you personally where that moment um changed where where in the way that people interact with um with the product at all yeah i'm I was actually having this conversation with my flatmate yesterday. Um, I, for me, I think it was when the Yeezy Confirmed app first came out. I feel like that was the first time where I started to see a shift from the the camp out community vibe to the online drop culture. And then how the way we've sort of, I don't know, normalized one thing and then now sort of don't do the camp outs anymore because people can't behave. And now we all are all on drop culture. For me, that was the, the the change was seeing that app come through, and then seeing obviously the masses of crowds that it would draw to the stores when people couldn't get the shoe on the apps. Um, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, technology comes out, we develop as people, and you know, industry develops in, in whatever way. But that I would say it's probably f- for the time I've been collecting. That was probably the most influential moment I saw a shift in sneaker culture in the way that not only we look at products, but also buy products and sort of approach anything to do with it, really. Okay. So the, with the confirmed app, we're talking... Oh, I'm trying to think, when did the confirmed app come out? I think it was like... 20, 20, I want to say like 2014, I think. Okay, maybe so even maybe later 10 years that. ago. Maybe even maybe even more more recent than that. 
but I know like turtle dubs and stuff like that were dropping just sort of as I was getting into it. Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, another question that, um, that has been floating around, um, is that some would argue that FP do not connect with the UK sneaker culture in the same way as some of the other entities do. Is it possible you could um, explain how or why the FP approach is different? And in your own in your own terms, in your own words, how does uh, Foot Patrol connect with the culture? So, I completely understand um, that. Like, I always used to see, even you know, I, you know, I'm unbiasedly Foot Patrol has always been like my favorite retailer. You know, ever since getting into footwear, and I always used to see it as a closed off club, and which is why I always found it so cool. In terms of the community part, I wouldn't be able to tell you the reasons why prior to since me working here. Um, but from my experience, it's not necessarily been that they don't, you know, we don't want to. It's more a case that we don't want, like, you know, if, for example, we start trying to hop on the community, the community approach the way that Offspring have, for example, and don't get me wrong, I, I think what they've done and the community they've built is incredible with the rate that they've built it at. You know, we just look like we're mimicking them. So what we try to do is we look for other, other avenues. So for example, we just sponsored a festival and co-organized a festival with a charity in Soho called House of St. Barnabas that help homeless, uh, basically people who are going into homelessness or experiencing homelessness, the skills they need to get themselves into a job. And we do a lot of donations outside of that of trying to do community support type stuff. So whether that be donations, whether that be, you know, features on people or whatever, that's kind of the avenue that we try to take. Um, and they were actually the same charity that we, we partnered up with with our forum collaboration as well. Mm. Um, so that I can honestly tell you, like, you know, and I was I was allowed to say this, for those who aren't aware, next year is going to be a big year for Foot Patrol being uh, our 20th anniversary. <gasps> and with that, I know I myself um, put in a big, big, big focus on, like I said, the community element and the community outreach part that we have on expo- expanding on areas more than just supporting the community. But we also want to be... So FP Meets was kind of like our little bit and bob and then the community meets was our entry into trying to bring more just general community members into it rather than just picking people that we know or you know someone who messages saying oh can i do one for example we wanted to outreach and see what how interested people would be in actually using our platform to showcase their passion um so hopefully next year fingers crossed we're gonna have a lot of community engagement stuff and hopefully that question will be instead of asking us why do we you know not seem to be doing it as much it'll be god you guys do too much i'd like to think hopefully cool 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 in regards to your um um foot patrol, um, foot patrol meets and your community outreach what's what's the reception been like for for those um campaigns that you ran pretty much bulk of last year and here and there this year well what's the reception been like for those 
it's been really positive, you know, and it's been really nice to see people actually engaging with the stories, you know, talking about, about what their favourite shoes are, sharing, you know, I mean, honestly, you should see the mix of DMs sometimes when we post some people up, you know, whether it's praising the person that we've selected, talking about the shoe that they loved so much from that person's pairs, or telling us about their favourite shoe from their collection, all the way we see going through the comments and seeing people liking it and enjoying it. It's been really nice, and it's been, it's, it's been, like it's been nice to you know you, you see all these like complex things and like, I'm I'm personally sick of seeing a celebrity's wardrobe like I don't care what he has in his wardrobe I'm more interested about the person on the ground lining up trying to get the bits and bobs like we all do and the wet and the stories that they have with their pairs more so than I am about my man's massive wardrobe with 50 billion shoes in it so uh, as far as I was as far as I've been concerned I mean I would love to hear people within this uh you know sessions thoughts like what they've thought about fp meets and if there's anything that you know you know the avenues you'd like us to explore you know you know i'm i'm always open to it i can't guarantee you know things will transpire but we're always open to hearing ideas and like i said next year is going to be a big community thing a big community focus so you know i'm i'm all ears nice um, speaking of being all ears, if someone was interested in doing a FP meets, what would they need to do? What's the criteria for them to be able to participate, if there is any? If you, well, I would say message Foot Patrol, but don't, because you'll get lost in a bunch of million other DMs. So don't <laughs> don't message Foot Patrol. Um, if you have my email, it should be on my Instagram. Drop me an email. Or drop me a DM on Instagram, and I see what we can do. Like I, I can't always guarantee it's going to be something that would come out very soon. I can't, or can't. You know, we've got a lot of people that we're trying to work with or working with at the moment, so it might be something that has to come out down the line. But don't be, don't be afraid. Like I'm, as Henry said, you know, Foot Patrol can be sometimes a bit of a closed scene as a closed off group. I, I want to change that. I want to be open and you know hear people's thoughts opinions and all that type of stuff and if you want to reach out and talk talk shoes or talk foot patrol to it i'm always here for a conversation so like my dms and my emails are always open for anybody that's interested the panel have just sent you an email <laughs> <laughs> Go, I'll, be, I'll, I'll get back to that one tomorrow boys <laughs> by the way I never said foot, uh, foot patrols are closed shop. I'm just, oh, like, I'm, I'm just literally picking up what people are saying on the street. So uh, I apologise. <laughs> I, I, I personally think foot patrols been a closed off space for enough years, and I think it's time to open the door to more people. Amen, amen to that. And speaking of opening the door to uh, more people, as nice. you're most very aware, what was that, Ray? I was just saying, nice. It's almost like you're on TV the way you're going to segue into that. <laughs> <laughs> Dear, oh dear, where was I going? Yes, speaking of opening doors, um, as you're most very well aware, uh, particularly over the last 18 months, um, there's been an explosion in regards to UK sneaker culture and a lot of people jumping on what is deemed to be a bandwagon without really understanding aspects of the culture. With that... Um, supply and demand um, has been an issue, obviously, just not enough shoes to go around. Do you think it's a simple solution for brands to create more shoes? Um, just want to hear your thoughts on that. 
And with that said, is it time that we should just accept that there is never going to be enough shoes? I think we need to accept there's never going to be enough shoes, mainly because don't want to be, you know, don't want to, don't want to ruin it, but sustainability has to come into it at some point. If we, if everybody wants a pair of Travis, there's going to be way too many shoes in the world. Every single Travis drop that we don't necessarily need. And I'm, I'm sure the only, in, in my opinion, the only people that we should be sorting loads and loads of extra shoes are the ones that can't get any, right? Because as far as I'm concerned, I've got enough pairs of shoes to go me around. If I miss a release, I, I'm, I've got, I've got something else I can wear. I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's hard for brands, obviously, to try and meet the quotas that people want. Obviously, as the market gets more and more mainstream, more and more people are into it. But like I said, sustainability has to be a topic of conversation in that. And if it isn't, then the only people are at fault here that are causing the issue are the brands because fashion as a whole, not just footwear, is one of the biggest polluters out there in terms of waste fills and just leftover crap that we don't need that we just throw in the bin. So it's, it's yeah, I think we just need to get used to the fact that we, not everybody can have a pair of something. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's a sad truth, but, you know, if we all have a pair of everything, then... I don't think, I don't know, like I said, I don't know, it's a, it's a sustainability point more than anything for what I'm trying to get at, basically. I hear that. And do you think, with, with that said, in regards to sustainability, do you think um, that is the future of um, collecting in, in the sense that um, potentially sneakerheads, if we can call them that, have to realise that um, it's unsustainable to have um, so many shoes? That's a good question. Um, I, I, I can see that definitely being a thing, um, the way that we, are, we adapt our buying patterns. I think that'll be dependent on how the market shifts. Like I said, I, I mean, the topic of sustainability needs to be at the forefront. But as the market shifts, we'll see whether or not that actually is the topic at the forefront. Because brands obviously now are trying to do this big, I think it might be, what I'd like, the way I'd like to see it is we'd be able to have our regular buying patterns that we have now, but the brands have adapted all the products that we know and love in a way that's sustainable, that we're not having as huge of an impact or even having even less of an impact. I mean, Adidas is saying it was like by 2024 or five or something like that, they're planning to be fully sustainable almost. So as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't mind buying Adidas product because I don't feel like I'm doing as much damage as I would be buying, say, another brand. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but um, I, I could see people's buying buying methods adapting definitely to to match that. Okay, and beyond the sustainability um, discussion, generally speaking, what does the future of collecting look like in your eyes? As long as it's not NFTs, I'm happy because I don't understand the electronic shoe thing. I think it's cool but I don't get that aspect of footwear collecting. So I'm hoping it doesn't go down that route. Um, in terms of the physical collecting element, I'm not sure. I must admit, I don't think I'm going to adapt much. Um, you know, I'll, like I said, I'm already trying to cut down buying on pairs and spending it on other things, you know, to enjoy life um, a little bit more. Just for, not for any other reason other than, you know, mental well-being. 
but in terms of the future collecting for people, I guess it will be dependent on what the brands churn out. Um, <laughs> if they keep uh, if they keep putting out heat the way some of them have been, I mean, you know, we're we're, we're all screwed. Our bank accounts still, but at the same time, you know, if if they start slowing down and the interest of sneakers starts to slowly dwindle in the backlog background again, then yeah, I can see collecting definitely being less of a thing, and it'd be going down to just wearing and trashing your shoes again. Skeen, Skeen. Rain, I saw you bash your mic. Did you want to um, chime in at all, or was you just agreeing with Bradley? No, I was just agreeing. Just that um, I'm, I'm slowly getting round to it, very slowly, like two miles an hour, the um, NFT thing in the NFT space. So Pedro and um, um, Emil are trying to school me, but I'm just like a dinosaur when it comes to that stuff. So I, in conceptually, I get it, but I... I, I it's, it still escapes me. So I'm, I'm kind of with you, Brad, in regards to that NFT thing. I mean, there's there's some cool platforms out there. I mean, if we minor sidetrack from footwear, there's some cool platforms. There's one called Vive at the moment that I've been looking into a little bit and a friend of mine's really into. And, and, you know, the way that they're trying to take sort of the virtual world is a bit wild. It's as if we're all going to actually be in Club Penguin and have our own igloos <laughs> and be able to kit them out. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's kind of mad. Like this Vive one, you can have your own... I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, um, you have essentially a vault and you collect all your NFTs in that vault and you can walk through that vault um, using your phone as like an AR augmented reality piece using your camera and, and walk around your house as if you're in that vault. So it's it's kind of, so you can you know you've got a, a piece in the corner back room of that vault you can walk over to the corner back room of your house and you can stand next to that model or painting or whatever it is. So the, there's some cool cool things. It's just for me, and there's also huge investment opportunities in that type of stuff. It's wild the amount of money these things are going for now. Um, but I, I, in terms of footwear, I haven't wrapped my head around it yet. Okay. All right. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you will um, invest in that in that arena in terms of digital sneakers and NFTs and that sort of stuff, or or are you just a very tactile kind of person? I'm about the only thing that's not an NFT, but the closest thing I can relate to myself being an NFT is buying stuff on Call of Duty Warzone and like Black Ops and all that jazz. Um, in, t- in terms of like product, I'm too tactile of a person. Like I like to feel it. I like to touch it. I like to be able to see everything in hand and, you know, appreciate the product for what it is and, you know, find hidden details that someone might have missed or something. Um, that, that part from the, of the, like, I don't know. like shoe NFTs is the same way I see like you know when you see it I kind of see it like that I'm kind of like so it's I don't I know we've we've somewhat um, digressed and I I think it's a perfect segue Um, you mentioned earlier in the conversation in regards to FP and I'm paraphrasing expanding their horizons beyond sneakers and um, exploring other interests that um, are connected to the sneaker culture. And um, it's quite clear over the last 12 months or so that FP have been uh, making moves in regards to eSport, 
music and um, so on and so forth. Would you say it's um, a matter of being strategic in connecting the dots um, beyond sneaker culture um, or, or do you think it's more of realising opportunities outside of sneaker culture and aligning, aligning that with other aspects of um, lifestyle culture like the ones I've just mentioned? Mm. It's, it's a mix of everything, to be honest. Some opportunities, like the eSport opportunity, honestly came to us out of out of out of the blue um and with enough you know coincidentally a few of us being quite quite keen gamers we naturally saw a market well not necessarily naturally saw the market but we naturally saw that there is a growing market for it and with that little bit of research we're like you know what people like Virgil Abloh designs the trophy cases for League of Legends with Louis Vuitton and then you've got undefeated um, sponsoring one of the like, I think it's like T1 teams, and you got Nike. No, sorry, Nike sponsored the T1 team in in Asia for League of Legends and all that type of stuff. And then you got undefeated sponsoring another team. You see Phase doing co- like you know, uh, gaming companies like Phase doing all sorts of wild collabs. So in that regard, um, it is it's about doing your research, obviously, and figuring out like right other people are already on it maybe maybe we should do it before it's too late but then there's other there's other opportunities of like you know it's, it's it can be just down to us doing the research and thinking like right what is there out there that's worth looking into and worth you know worth investing in or you know and sometimes it pays off sometimes it doesn't pay off but you that that's the um that's the wonderful world of marketing you know it's it's a, it's, it's a very it can be a very trial and error a trial and error industry mm. But it's, I don't know, I see, I see it as part of a process. Like, you know, th- these opportunities naturally develop. And if you, as a business, um, no, not even as a business, but as an individual, are more switched on to other subcultures outside of footwear, or you look into these subcultures that footwear also looks into, and then do your own further research, you'll find there's a lot, a lot of stuff out there that, is quite untapped then you'll be like oh i wonder why no one's done that so it's 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 a it's an interesting one it's it's very um it's hard though it is it is hard like not not everything you do is right you know like for example the call of duty pop-up uh, that we did did you know on the day was was popular but then like when we posted the imagery not all of the content was got the as positive reception that we would have liked right and that might be purely because people couldn't give less of a damn of who who any of the call of duty league teams are or it's just because it's not a shoe you know so sometimes it can be something as simple as it not being a shoe that people don't engage with the content fair enough is is that and is something like the esport um arena and the, the call of duty is that something you would explore again in the future or is it one of those ones where You've done it, you've dabbled in it, and it's not quite worked out, and you're just going to leave it alone. No, it's definitely something we're looking into. Um, into specifics, it's so broad. I wouldn't be able to specify what it is we're trying to actually hone in on. But we're we're being open. Like we've kept communication open with like the uh, two of the streamers uh, that we did uh, that sort of ho- not hosted. Sorry, did the meet and greets for the pop up, and same with the brands and some representatives of other brands that we met on the day. So the conversations are ongoing. As to what avenues we want to take, we're pretty open. Um, obviously, like I said, the the research that we've sort of put in behind it to see what other what other people have done and other avenues, other people, brands and retailers have taken, 
we don't necessarily want to mimic that. So we want to try and be a little bit more individual. And then again, like I said earlier in this in this talk, you know, we, we want to make all our content the same as everybody, as, as brand relevant to Foot Patrol as possible. Right. And if a specific project within esports, although it might be great, doesn't necessarily fit, we're kind of like, you know, how do we see that? Do we want brand value or do we want, you know, engagement? That, like, what 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 do we see as the most important thing here? So sometimes sometimes it can it can vary from time to time. It's the same. I feel like I've said that so many times. It is in like in marketing, especially especially within footwear. It is so varied day to day. One minute everything's fine. The next minute everything's not fine. One minute you've got a release date. You put the picture live. Next minute the brand comes back to you saying it doesn't come out till next week, and you're like, well, why didn't anybody tell us? So it's in every single aspect from the research into esports all the way to just coming up with a simple idea to release a product. It can change in an instant, but definitely the other avenues are something that we're definitely going to explore. And like I said, with next year on the horizon. Um, hopefully there'll be some exciting projects outside of footwear that will be able to showcase to people. Amazing. And would you say that process is the price um, of staying relevant? Is that what it looks like? I, I'd say the price you pay is the um, the stress um, more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm joking. Don't get me wrong. It, it's you know it's stressful. Like you know every other job can be stressful, but it, it is the price you have to pay. Sometimes sometimes it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't same way sort of other things in life generally do it's just it's just the way it's just the way it works and the my my main and this is this is advice for anybody that wants to get into any of this type of part for for um, or this type of this side of the industry other than retail uh shop floor experience is that as long as you're able to separate um your and I, and this is taking me a, this is taking me some time. It's only something I've personally been able to wrap my head around um, over the last sort of five months or so. If you can't separate your love for product and your job, regardless of how much you love your job, if you can't separate the two, you will find that your affinity and interest will dwindle, and not because anything else. It's because sometimes when you get knocked back a peg on a project, sometimes you can start seeing things in a slightly more negative light than you initially did. And I know myself have lost a bit of appreciation for the industry that I once had. And that's not for anything, any reason that I've personally taken things a little bit too personally at times when really nothing is personal. It's just the way it is. It's, that's the game. And like I said, of recent, I've now learned to separate that and now don't see anything like that. I don't take anything personally or anything like that. So my advice for anybody, if you wanted to follow these directions and wanted to work in this side of, the, uh, of footwear, make sure you're able to separate your personal interests and your work interests because at the end of the day you're working on something you love and you might meet people that aren't necessarily as into it as you are and that might dishearten you but don't let it dishearten you because all that all you can then do is brush your love off onto somebody else and encourage them to like it not necessarily might not be as much as you but appreciate it a lot more amen that 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 sounds that was really really beautiful and well put. Um, just out of curiosity, will Foot Patrol ever create any an, an e sport team at all? By oh mate, 
Oh, so with the pop up, we wanted to do um, we wanted to do an esports tournament for it, but it just couldn't. We couldn't pattern it out in enough time. Uh, I don't know if we'd actually do a team. I, I'd love to. I must admit, I did. I did pitch it once. We should sponsor a team, but um, I don't know. It's a different. It's a. It's a different. It's a hard one, really. It's a hard one. I, I'd like to. I'd like to think we could. But with esports, you you've it is a lot of money in it, right? And if you don't have the money to invest, you're not going to get the you know if you're going to make a team and you can't invest it in those players who are already getting paid silly money. To give you a, a, a give people an example, this is my inside nerd talking. The 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 lowest paid player um, for the Call of Duty League, not the season just gone but last year's season was 18 years old and was getting paid a hundred grand a year and that's just his salary alone and that's not including any winnings that him and his team might get in any tournaments throughout the season so if you don't have that initial spend it's a bit hard to um to start an esports team and out of personal you know looking into just to find out how it starts you need something like an initial 12 million investment just to open a uh, esports franchise wow yes wow. it's a, it's a big money industry wow and that and that doesn't include sponsorship or anything like that that's that... not yeah exactly no it's not even including sponsorship that's crazy that's and they're saying crazy. by in a, in, a, in a few years time gold goldman sachs investors were saying that they expect east they see esports growing to have as many viewers watching esports as people watch the super uh, the super bowl final which is the most widely sport a uh, widely watched sporting event of in the world that's <sighs> wow and that's wow. all going to be from the comfort of people's homes a lot of the time wearing crocs and white socks <laughs> yeah look, exactly that no 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 jerseys and it, it's it's not it, it's 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 a strange industry, but it's it, it's quite a wholesome community for anyone that hasn't looked into it. It's a very it's a very supportive community, the gaming industry, like gaming community. Um, don't get me wrong, some toxic some toxic chats you can have with people in game, but there's a lot of really nice people out there who are all into the same things we are. The same way we all like shoes and create our own community here. Wow! 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 Um... Yeah, do you know what? It's twenty past. It's twenty past nine. Uh, this is the panel Wednesday night clubhouse. Um, we're going to do a last call for um, questions from the audience. Um, if you do have any questions at all, um, press the button, raise the hand button at the bottom of your phone. One of the moderators will um, invite you to the stage, in which you get to uh, uh, um, ask a question. Ah. Mr. Fars, good evening. How are you? Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, we can't hear you. That that great Fars. Damn microphone. That will check. How's it now? Is that better? Not really. Jump in the phone. I can hear you. I can hear you. Wait, let me let me let me take the mic out. Let me take the mic out. Oh, and actually, that's not going to work either. Is 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 your hands free from Birmingham by any chance? <laughs> it's actually from Brixton Market, bruv. Dwayne. <laughs> he, he, he took he took it directly to the ends, you know. No, but I can hear you, so it must be the Brixton. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Must must be a Tottenham connection thing. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> what? So, um, yeah, I'm just going to jump in with a question surrounding kind of like the mental. Bradley touched on the mental health stuff. Hello, by the way, I'm Faz. Nice to meet you, man. Pleasure to meet you, man. Yeah, man. Um, so essentially, you touched on the mental health stuff, and it got me thinking. Like, as as a, I guess, a company, a brand. Um, do you feel like sometimes there's a conflict there with regards to basically your job being so, kind of focused on like psychology and not specifically manipulating people, but, you know, using psychology to attract interest in product um, and how that, I guess, fuels or makes you think about what um, what you can do as an individual within that organization to promote positive mental health and do you ever feel like there's a conflict and that does does that make you uh, more inspired or encouraged with obviously in, in in conjunction with what's going on in the world right now like how much does that affect your thought processes and how you do your job so it's a it's a funny question so like i'm i'm a big so i'm the so within JD we have this like whole mental first like mental health first aider training and for foot patrol I'm the mental health first aider so all that type of conversations within internally at foot patrol you know I speak to people and support each other and there's times you know our staff can get treated very very poorly by by customers and you know there's instances where we've we've had staff members crying in stock rooms and stuff like that um because of it and so we we try and you know, we try and find that we, we are currently trying to find ways to counteract that. In terms of uh, actual content wise, it's a mad one. I've never really looked at it that way, to be honest with you. So it's the first first time anyone's ever hit me with a question like that. I, I must admit, <laughs> no, no, mate, mate, smashed it, man. As far as I'm concerned, you've stumped me, to be, to be totally honest. Um, in terms of the approach with our work, like, you're right. It is a very it is a, it is playing with people's psychology a bit, trying to find out what it is that ticks to someone's brain. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't we haven't cracked it. We haven't cracked it. The the one thing that we're trying to focus on is more the support within the industry because there's there's been quite from our side what we've seen is there've been sometimes quite a bit of negativity and people trying to put people down and we're trying to find ways around that. Like I said, this this community push that we're trying to do. It is one of the you know this mental health is one of these things that we're trying to go at with this community push to try and look outside of how we can get you to buy and more than how we can help you um outside of outside of footwear basically um but fast to be honest with you i'm sorry it's a really poor answer from my side mate but um yeah you, you stumped me with that mate so i've just tried to answer that as best i can now nah, bro it's blessed to be honest i feel like that's kind of how i wanted your answer to go like in terms of it becoming more of like a front-facing community in real life kind of energy like obviously within the confines of like the restrictions that we have faced and may possibly face in the not too distant future it's about i guess for me it's about people being in spaces together where possible where it's safe to do so and and the rest of that or where where people feel comfortable more than anything and then um kind of fostering that in real life because people are less like i know the words bandied around like toxic in real life like people are less likely to i don't know gaslight people face I agree. to face do you know what i mean i like, completely not, agree do you know what i'm saying online people are so willing to throw out ridiculous comments and, and try and get a rise out of people i mean 
you only have to go on Twitter to see what what can and will be said to um, get a reaction. But nah, nah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No, nah, it's all good, man. And, and like, like I said, no, nah, like, like I said, it's it's definitely something that we like we outside of the community, like we're trying to really bring in internally as well. Like, like you said, we've under the current circumstances, been so many restrictions, and obviously, you know. I, some people had to spend Christmases alone and couldn't go back to families and stuff. And, you know, you couldn't do any sort of stuff internally to try and build up morale. So we, we try to do our own stuff. And like, for example, we, we try to do at the moment bits and bobs where we can, like the Harachi stuff that we did with more prime industries. Uh, all of that went to a mental health charity that Morgan um, really fully backs. And then all of the donations that went towards the Harachi model, 3D printed model, all went to, towards a mental health charity. So like it is, is definitely a topic we're, we're going to be pushing a lot, a lot more focus on and more so because a lot of our, our team have had personal, personal experiences that, you know, we don't want to see other people go through at the same time, not necessarily just within foot patrol, but also outside in the community. Yeah, man, that sounds wicked. I think, like, you're you essentially touching on it, but like, I feel like it's it's the change has to come from the inside, and you're in a big organization, and like, what you're pushing and promoting and looking to kind of like gain momentum on is a brilliant thing, and I feel like it just mirrors society in a way that like it's we can we can look to the government or anyone above us to try and make these changes but really it's down to us at the end of the day and as long as we um we have a better sense of community and support each other then 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 a lot of the wrongs that are happening that we see that we can just write ourselves and we don't have to wait wait for pub policy and changes at a, at a higher level to do any of those things we can just get it running and then deal with the consequences as and when in it but exactly and i and i only hope that um you know we we do we do it justice for for everybody going forward you know and we hope that we re we you know we connect with people on that much more personal level as long as people are included in it as long as like especially the young people like i do youth work in it so as long as the young voices are heard and they're included and they feel like they're part of the process um obviously in conjunction with you know the the, the heads but it's um yeah as long as people are included it's it's all good say no more man i'll, I'll, I'll make sure to take that back to the to the guys man Appreciate your, your your questions, Faz. Um, thanks so much. Um, we're going to move on to... We've got Artus um, in on the stage. Um, apologies for the way Artus, but the floor is yours to ask your um, one question with Bradley. Uh, hello, guys. Um, can you hear me? All good, man. You sound perfectly. Uh, How are you? Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, very good. Uh, Bradley, it was uh, nice to hear your talk. Uh, very refreshing, and I totally vibed with the esports idea. Maybe <laughs> it's uh, very hard to uh, make a team. Then maybe esports tournament could be a nice idea. But uh, quick question. Um, sorry, I missed the first uh, ten minutes of the panel. And um, what have I, w I have been always curious about is. Uh, oh, when you see drops, uh, none of the retailers never disclose the numbers of shoes available. Um, what's the reason behind this? Like, is it, is this like initiative from the brands, or it's just like how the things are? Thank you. That that's a mad. That's a really good question. You know, so there was there was a point. So a lot of the time, it's a brand thing. Brand tells us you can't, or 
it's just one of them T's and C's within a, a larger contract that it's not spoken about. But there was a series of instances where we actually had to state in our T's and C's how many pairs were releasing and what it was that it was releasing for, you know, for example, when we did like the, a couple mystery raffles, um, we had to state what it was in the T's and C's regardless, because that was, you know, it was a legality and the same with the, the quantity of the product. So th- there's been instances where it has been, has been done, but as a rule, normally it's, it's, it's a, a, a you know, a larger contract between brand and retailer to, I guess not. I, I mean, I've never. It's never been a question of a topic, you know, inside. Other than when we were told we actually had to do it once, and then after that, we were told we didn't have to do it again. Uh, thank you, Bradley. Uh, no worries, man. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate that. Um, I've got um, got a question for you. If I if I can locate it. Uh, nah, sorry, Pedro. Time's up. I'm going. Bye. <laughs> Here it is. It's it's actually an IG question, and actually, it's a, it's a question actually um really got my attention because I know um well the majority of the people in the audience they know that there's a store in London and there's a store in Paris which has been open for if I if I'm correct two three years yeah. maybe longer third third year this year. Third year this year, awesome. And the question coming from IG is: Is Foot Patrol looking to open any more stores um, in new locations? Um, and um, the question also includes the fact that um, he's aware of the um, the makeup of Foot Patrol in terms of it being a closed shop and that. Um, but um, yeah, it was just more in terms of is Foot Patrol opening more more stores, and also as well. Do you guys actually ship internationally from either London or um, Paris? So we, we ship internationally. We don't ship from store. Um, any online orders, to get that one out of the way. It's all done from the warehouse. And my God, um, for, apologies for any delays you do, anyone does experience from our website. We are, are part of an incredibly, obscenely, I'm trying to think of all the words I can think that makes the word large sound bigger than it is, immensely large warehouse with many retailers within JD Group, um, which is hopefully going to be changing down the line and have a specific warehouse for, like the like I said earlier, the streetwear division, which will hopefully streamline everything. Um, I've actually, Pedro, what was the second part? What was the first part of your question? Sorry. The, the main question is, is Foot Patrol looking to open any more stores? Yeah. So to go off that, you'll have to wait and see. I don't. I know I, I'm, it's not a topic of discussion. I'm I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be on. <laughs> um, when when I do know, um, I'll get to work on some marketing for it. But uh, until such time, it's not it's not even a, a a thread in an email or you know a whisper in my ear. Unfortunately, I'm I'm way down the pecking order. Um, I'm not even that far down the pecking order, like in terms of how big the team is. But yeah, them. Um, the the leap between like myself and like the or yeah myself and the top dogs is is a big enough gap that unfortunately I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you I hope so it'd be nice it'd be nice we have more foot patrol I mean once upon a time they only ever wanted to only have the London store um, I remember reading an interview and in that when foot patrol first reopened and uh, it made made me giggle when they opened Paris um, but 
hopefully in due course things will things will transpire but unfortunately yeah it's not a conversation i even get to hear a murmur about cool let's make believe say you had the power and the authority to open another foot patrol store anywhere in the world mm. where would it be and why i'd have to tap into the asia market um purely because not necessarily japan i think i think korea personally south korea seoul i think that's an untapped law not necessarily untapped but a market that is growing and for example it's fashion week is currently being compared to like some very popular fashion weeks and saying it's going to be the next japan within fashion with the oh, way wow. that the designers are churning stuff up i mean ada era was a great example of uh, a korean brand coming into a western market and doing really really well with a puma collab bear that in mm-hmm. mind um so for me it would it would have to be in asia i think it's a market that's not as tapped up as much as it could be they've got their retailers but i think we need to bring a different our own flair to it to to make it different i think the us is is a hard one to crack um i don't know I don't know enough really to know where in the US would work and where wouldn't work. Um, Just because some areas, you know, are very, very saturated more than others. Um, But yeah, I definitely, I definitely go to Asia a hundred percent. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I've got some quick fire questions um, just before we uh, bring this um, session to a close. I'm not sure if, Rain or Emil has any additional question, or even our um, our um, listeners in the um, audience, if they have any questions, again, you've got the raise um, raise the hand button at the bottom. Um, by all means, you are welcome to um, come up and ask well, your wait. question. Um, but just just before we get to yourself, um, David, just um, Rain or Emil, do you have any questions? Um, I don't. Ask I don't. None at all. No, I'm good, man. You you guys were... Henry, you were very thorough with Bradley. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, with that said, um, David, welcome to the stage. Um, your one question with Bradley. Take it away. If David wants to... Oh, he's disappeared. Okay, never mind. Um, if he does come back, then obviously we'll bring you back onto the stage. Um, right, Bradley, I've got a couple of quick-fire questions just before um, we bring this to a close. Uh, first question, favourite FP collab and why? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what I've got. Um, right, I'm going to say the forum purely because of the personal connection that I've got to have with it, that my signature is one of the signatures on the NSL. Okay. And it's nice to be able to say, I, you know, I, I don't know, I've got, I'm part of a shoe, if that makes sense. It's like a big, a pretty big achievement in my eyes. Cool, 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 cool. I thought you would have said the 4D. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love the 4D, but I wouldn't put it as up there as one of my favourites. I would have put one of the, some of the Lecoq uh, collabs up in front of the 4D. Um, I think there's some incredibly, really, like, really nicely done stuff the clocks trawlers that they did will bang in oh actually scrap that padmore and barnes let me tell you the model number oh yeah the model number p 
I don't know, P104 or something like that. The Padmore and Barnes Foot Patrol, uh, yellow and black, Wu-Tang colorway. That was where it was at. Okay. All right. Um, your favorite collab, all-time favorite collab, and why? Oh, Pata Para. Uh, Pata Para, sorry. Para Amsterdam Air Max 1, purely because Para is my all-time favorite artist and Amsterdam is my all-time favorite city. Um, I've always wanted to live there, always wanted to be there. I love it every time I go. And the colour palette, I think, translates perfectly for exactly what he wanted to do. Even the initial Albert Hein, it was amazing to see him using like a traditional, uh, not traditional, but like a supermarket that everybody realised. It was just a shame that the supermarket changed its colours just before. Mm. Um, and then to, late, to, to think straight away of the red light district and to translate it the way that he did, I, I think it's amazing. It's my all-time favourite shoe, the Amsterdam. Okay, so does that mean then that your all-time favourite shoe model is the Air Max 1? No, not at all. Nah, it's a Hirachi. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> it's only because you can't get that colourway on a Hirachi. If the Amsterdam was on a Hirachi, it'd be the Hirachi. Okay, alright, alright. Favourite shoe for 2021 so far and why? It's split between three at the moment. Um, the Omega Flame, just because I think it was a really, really strong retro from size. And, you know, it, I wouldn't say I've been actively trying to buy an OG because one, I can't find it, two, I can't afford it. But it's definitely a shoe I would have always liked to have owned, um, being a big sort of old waffle, not waffle, sorry, runner head. Um, but then also the lightning fours purely because I've had the money in my savings since 2018 rumors waiting to be spent on this pair. So I've had that money waiting to go. And then also the Towley campus, the South Park campus. Oh my God. They are probably debatably my shoe of the year. That's the Adidas joint, mm -hmm. right? Oh mate, they're bad. I'm with you on that, bro. Oh, bro, they're so good, man. The 420 crep, they smashed it. Mate, they they blew every 420 crep for the last three years out of the water. Nike's got nothing on them towelies as far as I'm concerned. The last thing Nike did that was close was the White Widow. Wow, that's yeah, a big claim. I agree, man. I completely agree. It was They smashed it, everything. The box, the shoe, how, the, the eyes, the key rings, the whole lot bodied it. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, right. I have one last question um, before we close this out, unless someone comes in with um, a hands raised. Um, are we? Can we be privy to any future collabs or projects on the horizon with FP? All I can say is next year is a big year. So. Hopefully, Hopefully. You've, you've, you've got to give us a little bit more than that. I know, you can't um, just say that. Every year's a big year. Is that... um, yeah, but this year, next year's our 20th anniversary. It's bigger than every year. For us, anyway. Not Maybe it might be different for other brands. But uh, all I can say is the Foot Patrol collab that, of course, is coming out um, next week, the EQT uh, Support 93. Um, unfortunately, I've been told I'm not allowed to say anything. But there's things coming. Oh, Brad, we need more than that, mate. Mate, I mean, it's either that or you're going to have just Bradley Martinez, not Bradley, but for, uh, Bradley Martinez for Foot Patrol. <laughs> 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 alright, alright. I'll, I'll, I'll stop with the persistence. Um, <laughs> we've got David, who, who's re-emerged. Uh, Sorry about David. that. 
Nah, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, the floor's yours. Your one question with Bradley. Take it away. First, Bradley, Amiga Flames. I'm with you on that one. Bradley, I'm, yeah. I'm going to talk about what I think about Foot Patrol. Like, when I first think of Foot Patrol, I think of your shop window displays because some of them yep. have been amazing. Like, some of them. Who is it like you have a brief and then get somebody in to do it? How. Or do you like work with companies who think, you know what, I reckon they'll deliver a good shop window with a product because that's what I normally think, like walking past your store late at night. Some of them have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, some sometimes it's a bit of laugh. For example, obviously, like when England got into the final of the Euros, <laughs> that day we said, oh, let's get a big flag put in the window. Like there, there was no debate about it. We just spoke to Onward, which is like a printing company literally next door to the store and said, can you put a window vinyl in the shop? And they did it. Um, for the larger ones, it tends to normally be an agency that tends to do it. Sometimes it's even a brand that comes by and sets it up. Um, like I said, being such a small, t- like I said before, being such a small team, we can't necessarily facilitate every single element of the creative process. So we do have to get some hands in. But we there's there's times that we pitch together like a brief, and we're like, this is the concept we want, and then we let them rework what our concept. What yo, sorry, can't get my words out rework our initial concept in a way that they think best suits the window for the measurements and display and everything. Yeah, that's perfect. I think it's like, it's one of the things that pulls people walking past your store at night because you normally you've got some great displays. But yeah, thanks for answering that, Bradley. Appreciate that. No, all good, man. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy them, to be honest with you. I, we, it's something that we're, um, you know, like we, we're looking to do more of going forward. There should hopefully be some some interesting ones. We're hopefully going to have some a cool one uh, for any, if you've seen the shoot for the EQT, we're hopefully going to be having a similar looking setup like that in the window for the EQT uh, release. And then we got some own brand T-shirts that we're hopefully going to be doing like a big window display for and hopefully something with um, Reebok down the line as well. But we're, that's, that's up in the air at the moment. Not a collab though. That, that's not a collab for, for oh, the record. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just checking, just checking, just checking. Nice. Uh, David, appreciate this question. Uh, thank you so much. Um, Bradley, hats off to you, bro. Um, just thank you so much for your time. Appreciate um, you entertaining um, the, the discussion, the talks, the questions um, here. Um, to our audience, once again, um, we appreciate you. Thank you so, so, so much. Uh, for hanging with us, for hearing what Bradley has to say in regards to um, not only his personal endeavours, but his endeavours with Foot Patrol. Uh, before we close this session, Raina Mill, do you have anything you want to include into the the proceedings? Is there anything that our audience needs to know? No, not really. Uh, no. You say it like that, there is something they need to know. <laughs> I don't know. You're you're one full of surprises. So yeah, I not, just thought, um... not not this week. Next week, probably. I, I, I do I do want to say I just want to say firstly uh, thank you to you guys, the panel, and everyone who's tuned in this evening. Um, this is actually my first time speaking officially on behalf of Foot Patrol, so I appreciate everybody's patience. Um, if some of my answers work what you wanted, I promise next time I'll make sure that I've got even more info and even more fun stuff to be able to share um, next time we do one of these types of things. But for everyone, I, I do really appreciate everybody's patience and, you know, time this evening. I know it's been, been a long one, but yeah, 
safe to everybody who's uh, who's tuned in. Boom. Hero. Bradley, you're a hero. Thank, thank you so much again. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, we have been the panel. I have been your co-host. Um, we'll leave the room open. We normally say a minute, um, about 30 seconds or so. If you want to follow Bradley, uh, in fact, Bradley, if they if they're interested in following you, for those that don't, where where can they find you on on the socials? So I am a one social man. I only use Instagram because I can't be can't be asked to remember all the other um, passwords. But it's literally my name, Bradley Martinez, and then underscore. Uh, and like I said, you know, if anyone interested in FP meets, like you know, drop me a message, and if I can facilitate that, I'm definitely more than happy to. Cool, awesome. Brad, thank you to our listeners again. Thank you so much. Uh, we have been the panel. This session is now done. We'll leave this room open for about 20 seconds or so. Uh, if Rain's feeling generous, otherwise, yeah, good night. And we'll see you next week.